This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, welcome back. It's Mariner's Pod. Thanks for being here as we have a lot to get to. The Mariner's an interesting series over the weekend, no doubt about that. We've got to talk about the game yesterday that was pretty wild, so we'll hit on that. Uh, we'll talk about two big games starting tonight, a quick turnaround series against the A's game tonight, day game coming up tomorrow. As we take a look at the wildcard standings, the Mariners three games back of Oakland with two to play the next two ball games. So it's going to be a very interesting couple of quick days in Oakland then back home, Royals and Houston after that. So right now, the Red Sox and A's tied 70-55. and 55. Oakland just lost two really tough games to the Giants. They hit home runs late, pinch hit home runs two nights in a row, two days in a row. Uh, and Oakland has lost two in a row. They're tied with Boston, 70-55. and 55. Meanwhile, the Yankees have won nine straight, now 72-52. and 52. They hold the first wild card. They're closing in on Tampa Bay as well. So the Mariners three back of both Boston and Oakland. They need to leapfrog them both for the second spot. And then Toronto, 64-58. and 58. They're four and a half back of the whole thing. A game and a half back of the Mariners. So that's where things stand going into the game tonight against the Oakland A's. Now, let's talk about the weekend. Let's not talk about the first two games very much. It was bombs away. The Astros just lit the Mariners up two games in a row. Two monster, monster wins. So the Mariners looking to salvage the finale. And they didn't have much going against a really good pitcher. Framber Valdez was pitching really well against the M's. But Anderson pitched well. The bullpen hung zeros. The Mariners got a runoff Graveman in the eighth. And then in the ninth, they would tie it up. And the right-handers, 0-1 pitch on the way. Swing and a fly ball deep to left center field. Going back is Myers. This one is gone. Goodbye baseball. Over the orange-yellow stripe out there in left center field. Ty France with his 15th home run of the year. And the Mariners have tied it up at 2-2. And then in the 10th inning, the Mariners didn't score. You get to the bottom of the 10th. Of course, the ghost runner on second, a base hit by Altuve. They walk the next to load the bases, so you have the force at home. So bases loaded, no outs, middle of the order, and Paul Seawald, strikeout, strikeout. Seawald gets the sign. He sets another 3-2. Swing and a miss. Strike three, top of the zone. And Seawald is looking like the Hulk as he flexes, walking off the mound. He gets the Mariners out of a bases-loaded 10th inning jam. He strikes out three Astros hitters and sends this to the 11th, tied at two. Pretty amazing how that shook out. Unbelievable. A poor strike zone along the way, too, added to the drama. And poor on both sides, by the way. As, uh, man, 
What an unbelievable inning. Paul Seawald gets through the 10th, and then the Mariners pour it on. They take the lead in the 11th, and then Kyle Seeger, after Ty France, does this. And the 2-2 pitch on the way to Ty, swinging a ground ball, and it's a base hit in the right field. Crawford's going to score. Hanniger to second. And he's going to hold there up with the ball as Brantley, the throw to third, is cut off by Correa. And the Mariners have the lead by a score of 3-2 to two here in the top of the 11th inning. Ty France with a base in at a right field. Drives in his second run of the afternoon. This one gives the Mariners the lead. So they had the lead. They wanted more, and they got it. And the 2-2 two, two to Kyle, swing and a high fly ball, deep into the gap in right center field, going and going and goodbye baseball over the Astros bullpen. Kyle Seeger with his 29th home run of the season. A three-run shot here in the top of inning number 11, and it's now the Mariners 6 and the Astros 2. Holy smokes, what a drive by Kyle Seeger. Closing in on his career high, man. Uh, Houston would uh, come back in the bottom of the frame, but the Mariners would hold on for the win. So they salvaged the finale against Houston. So they sweep Texas on this trip. They get the final game. So they're 4-2 and two on this trip so far. They can make this an outstanding trip, depending on what happens in Oakland starting tonight. Getting the ball, Marco Gonzalez against Paul Blackburn. Blackburn in the rotation now. They're missing their ace, Chris Bassett. And on Tuesday, day baseball, 1237, 640 tonight, by the way. 1237, Chris Flexen will go against Cole Irvin in game two of the series. So two huge, huge games starting tonight. Meanwhile, let's take a listen to what Scott Service had to say after the ball game. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in that ball game. Um, I have to start, you know, it's this time of year, the Little League World Series. This is always on. And I happened to be in my room last night watching the game, and it popped into my head about the 10th inning. It's like a Little League game. You know what I mean? You guys just keep coming back. You got guys stepping up in big spots, and, you know, you see the energy in the dugout and what's going on uh, around our team. So it was a fun, fun ball game to win. Didn't really know uh, what was going to happen there as we got deeper into that game. But uh, it all starts with starting pitching, and Tyler Anderson gave us a chance today. He really did. You know, Houston's been swinging the bats so aggressively in this series. He calmed them down and allowed us to kind of get into our game. Smitty picked him up with a couple big strikeouts. I mean, Miz big outs. We get five outs out of, out of stack. Uh, Seawald, bases loaded, nobody out to strike out the side against this club in their home ballpark. Uh, and then out of nowhere, Johan Ramirez saves the day. So uh, a heck of a job by, by our entire pitching staff, you know, to, to calm that team down over there after what they did to us the last couple of days. And, you know, offensively, uh, a lot to write home about early. Um, you know, we did uh, get the two-out double. Big hit by Jake Bowers off Graveman. Um, and then JP followed it up there to get a little bit closer. Ty France, another big homer. And then the go-ahead RBI later. And um, very fitting for Seager to hit the three-run bomb as there was probably the most annoying fan I've, I've seen in quite some years all over our team. And certainly Seager all day behind our dugout. So it was a... Uh, you know, fitting end to uh, to that ball game and him putting an exclamation point on it. So um, I said it the other day, it's hard to strip, sweep anybody in this league. And again, we proved it today. So um, any questions? Got no moment really seems too big for Seawald, but for him to come in here against this team on the road and shut him down the way he did, what did you see from him in that sequence and his ability to stay poised in that moment? 
Yeah, you, you really can't get ahead of yourself in that moment. And, you know, when I went to the mound, just kind of talked about how we were going to play it. You know, I think we talked very briefly. You just have to execute one pitch at a time. You can't think about striking people out or needing a double play ball or anything like that. You just got to take it a pitch at a time. And uh, credit to Paul. That's exactly what he did. He just kept executing and executing and executing. And you do that, you stick with the plan and the process. And sometimes you get the result you're looking for. Heck of a job by him. And, and Cal, Cal Raleigh behind the plate as well. Kind of to that end, also tie, you know, with uh, the game tying homer there and then the, the go ahead single in the 11th, you know, just his ability to kind of stay poised in those moments. Again, we've talked about him not selling out for power, but just taking advantage of a pitch that's there for him to drive. Yeah, Ty's got a great, great idea what he's doing at the plate. He's got, you know, uh, he also knows how to situationally hit when you need a single, when you need an extra base hit. Uh, so looking for certain pitches in certain parts of the plate. And, you put that together with a really good swing and, uh, you know, good things happen. But, uh, uh, again, the key to today's game is, you know, we just kept fighting. We didn't give in, didn't give up. Um, you just hang in there knowing that if we can somehow scratch out a run or get a little bit closer, you give yourself a chance. And, and it never happens if our bullpen guys don't come in and, and keep the game where it was at. So uh, credit to them to give our offense a chance to get on track late. and Got some big hits against a pretty good bullpen they got over there as well. Anything else for Scott? Scott, it just seems like Ty is getting better and better. The more he plays, the better he's getting. You know, he didn't necessarily have that opportunity in San Diego, but, like, where, where do you see him going with the more he plays? Well, I think we're, what we're seeing is um, you know, development. Uh, you know, young hitters, it takes a while. I think the biggest thing you can do for young players is, you know, give them an opportunity where they know they're going to play every day. Um, but also they got to take it and run with it. And, and that's what he's done. That's what Toro's doing. Um, you know, we've seen what JP Crawford's done over the last year and a half or so is you, you give these guys an opportunity, you let them run with it. But the biggest thing is when their confidence comes, when they actually earned it, and that's what's going on. Um, and, and they feel like they belong and they know they're going to be a part of what we're doing here for a long time. So um, the sky's the limit for, for Ty. Um, the fact that he hits and uses the field, the entire field the way he does, that's how you stay away from slumps. <laughs> Being able to handle different types of pitchers uh, that maybe have a trick pitch or a certain way of pitching you. you. Use the whole field like he does and never in a hurry to get the head out and try to pull everything. You know, you got a chance to be consistent over a long haul over the course of the season, and that's certainly what he's doing. Scott, Johan is so, um, so emotional. Did you have any advice from or say anything when you brought him in there? I mean, he, he could just see that he was pumped and ready to go. And he got the big strike out about Juve, but he also refocused and came back from the next out. Yeah, Johan has improved maybe as much as any pitcher that we have here. When you saw where he was at the beginning of last year, uh, when, you know, he's a Rule 5 pick. You're, you're keeping him around because you like the stuff. You don't know if it's ever going to all come together, but along those lines, he may have the most uh, positive outlook on the game and life of any player that we have on our team. He has got the biggest smile. And even the days where he's been up and down a little bit with us, he optioned back to AAA, he's got a smile on his face. Uh, when he leaves, he's got a smile on his place when he comes back. He loves baseball. He loves being around the team. And great to see him step up in that uh, situation today. He was the guy with the best stuff in our bullpen at that point. And we rolled the dice, put the best guy out there. And, again, he executed and did a heck of a job. Uh, um, after such a tough two days, how big was it for y'all to be able to come back and win this one to to end the series? 
Yeah, I know. If you watch us play all the time, uh, the tough losses, uh, you know, it looks like we're going to fall off the edge of a cliff uh, and everybody's ready to jump off with us. Uh, this team, this, they just keep grinding every day. They show up, come to work. Um, you know, they, they, don't, they don't worry about uh, what happened yesterday. They just keep looking forward. And, and that's a credit to our group here. And that's what I saw today. We walked into clubhouse this morning. Music's playing. Hey, we got a game to play. How are we going to win it? instead of worrying about what happened in the last couple of days. So um, we've done it all year, and why not continue? That's kind of how we roll. Scott, aside from Ty's hitting, his defense has been just as remarkable, too. I mean, what, what, what has stood out to you in his progression at first base for you guys? He's got a lot of confidence, first of all, um, on really any play. You know, we've seen him make a number of awesome plays with his throwing arm. You know, earlier on this road trip helped win us a game. Uh, you know, today the diving stab of the of the line drive. I think uh, Guriel hit in that one inning. So he's got a ton of confidence. Knows that any ball he wants the ball hit to him. Uh, I certainly I know when I look at JP out there, JP wants every ball hit to him because you know it's going to be an out. And Ty's got the same look about it. And it comes through you know a lot of reps, uh, working his tail off, feeling good about himself, and knows he can help the team in a number of different ways. And here's Paul Seawald. So uh, bases loaded, nobody out, Korea at the plate, just how you draw it up for strategy-wise there, Paul? Yeah, that was it. That was it. Make sure Altuve gets a hit, then we walk Grant Lee to really make sure we're in a jam, and then that's apparently what brought out the best of me. But, um, no, you just, you know, I had to, had to pitch like it was – every pitch was the last pitch it was the, of the game, and, you know, because it really was. You know, you walk a guy, you give up a hit. Like, really had to go for punch-outs only, and, and, you know, we made pitches when we had to. What did service tell you when he came out there on the mound? Uh, what was that brief conversation like? Yeah, it was just, it, you know, just to let me know we're going to walk Brantley um, and to know that Jordan wasn't in the game anymore. That was a big, um, big spot to make sure. Uh, not that I could pitch around McCormick or Castro or anything, but just to know that, hey, you know, let's get weak contact from Correa, ground ball, punch outs, go for the punch, get, get whatever you can to Correa and know that we don't have, you know, one of their better hitters on deck, which 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 helped there in the tech, or in the tent, yeah. Paul, does it speak to your execution level that you have this season? I mean, you, you look at even like the box what you're throwing to Guriel, the fastball's elevated, the slider's away. I mean, they were all in the same location. It, it just seems like this is the perfect time where you're executing what you want to do right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I just looked at, uh, I looked at a map of where those pitches were, and that doesn't get any doesn't get any better for me. That's where I want to throw all those pitches. I want those, I want those fastballs at the upper right or the upper arm side corner. And then I want sliders at the bottom of glove side corner. And, and that's the perfect trajectory for me. That's, that's the best way for me to, uh, to tunnel each other. And, and, you know, those were really good ones to, uh, to Guriel, especially a guy who, you know, is one of the better hitters in the league and to get him in that spot was, was huge. He threw the one slider that you thought was strike three on him. And then everybody kind of paused. How do you refocus in that situation and come back? Because some guys that will eat them up that they'll, they'll think, well, I should have been out of this. And you have to refocus because there's no margin for error. Yeah. Uh, baseball gods usually take care of things like that. You know, they not necessarily every time, but they, they really do, you know, they see stuff like that. And, um, you know, I, I felt it was a strike. I've also felt there were strikes that were balls when I got back and looked at it. So um, just to think that I thought I had him, you know, that doesn't mean that I had him. Maybe it was a ball. Um, so then I just felt like, all right, if that was a strike, I'm going to get him here regardless. And, you know, we'll just uh, let's let it eat at the top of the zone and see what happens. Were the baseball gods kind to you with the Correa one then on the one? Uh, looks like they were. Looks like they were. 
I guess we'll say that evened out over the uh, over the inning, right? Well, how does it change though? How did it change the dugout? I mean, like you know, you don't get the run in the top there. You have the tough base running here, and you guys are able to keep it and get another chance. It had to re-energize the dugout again, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, anyone who's watched baseball enough knows that it's a momentum game. Um, you know, they had they had all kinds of momentum over the last two days, and it kind of started to roll last night. Um, and we just we had to come out and stop it. And Anderson stopped it right away um, and kept putting up zeros and and allowed the game to stay close. And we know that we score off of bullpens better than anyone in the league, in my opinion. Um, so we just kept it close, and momentum started coming in our way. And you know, you just have to you have to do your best to shut down the other team's momentum. They got that zero there, and you know, we really put together good at bats off of Rayleigh. It just didn't work for us. And, and, you know, I just went out there, you know, trying to stop the momentum as best I could. And how about Ty France? Ty, you guys have kind of done this all season, but what's, what's the vibe in the, in the ninth inning when you guys haven't gotten a ton going offensively in the dugout? Like, what are you guys thinking about, you know, the cusp of the comeback that you guys are on? Um, you know, nothing really changes for us. We've, like you said, we've played a ton of close games this year, so we know what it's like and know how capable we are of, you know, getting that, you know, big inning going. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, nothing really in our mindset changes. We're still just trying to get good pitches to hit. Um, you know, lately, it's been later in the game, but, you know, we'll take a win. Just how much confidence are you going to the plate with right now? I mean, obviously the big homer, but knowing what to do with that single in the 11th inning too, just taking what's pitched to you. Yeah, I think that's, you know, a huge part of my game is just, you know, giving what the opponent or taking what the opponent gives you um, right there in that situation. All we needed was a ball put in play. Um, so that's really all I was trying to do. I was honestly, I was trying to hit that hole right there because they were playing me in a shift. So and with uh, Guriel holding Mitch on right there, it just opened it wide up and, you know, he gave me a pitch to do that with. How how different do you feel at the plate than the last time you were at Minute Maid Park, leaving with your wrist hurting and everything like that? Yeah, I mean a lot different. Um, you know, I, I can swing now confidently without you know any pain. So that's a, you know, a huge uh, confidence boost for me. Do you feel different as a hitter though? I mean, you're you're hitting the ball with a lot of power. You seem to be driving it. These aren't ball scrapers you're hitting. I mean, do you feel like the power quotient? I know you're not trying for it. Is starting to come around the more you play and the more hard hit balls that start to see that um you know i think the power has kind of always been there um except for that little stretch that i had where i was trying to play through the wrist injury but um you know for me it's just being 100 healthy and you know the, the power's in there it just you know like you said getting getting comfortable in the box and uh, getting good pitches to drive with stanick he throws really hard kind of all over the place but you just kind of simplify in that situation yeah, with those kind of guys, you just you want to get on time for the fastball because you know that's that's their best bullet. You know they're going to try and beat you with their 97, 98. Um, even Presley, you know he throws hard too, so he's trying to get on time for the fastball, and you know they left it in the middle of the zone. How absurd was it what Paul Seawald did there to strike out the side with the bases loaded like that? Sorry, I didn't hear the beginning. How, how crazy was it what Paul Seawald did there to strike out the side with the bases loaded in that inning? What does he uh, meant no, to you guys? That was, that was huge. Um, you know, he's done it for us all year. I, I'm not surprised at all. Um, he's had a heck of a year. And, um, you know, he's been one of one of the guys we really lean on, and uh, in that situation, that's who we want on the mound right there. 
Ty, is, is feeling 100% from the, the wrist injury uh, contributing to your consistency at the plate too? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, fortunately, I've always been been able to hit. And, um, you know, when I'm 100% healthy, I, you know, there's nothing in the back of my mind. I can just go out there and be myself. And, um, you know, it just, like I said, it comes down to being healthy and uh, being able to get my A swing off when I need to. All right, table set for tonight, Mariners and A's. Hopefully you're with us. Again, 640, we'll take the air at 530 for the pregame show. In the meantime, Shannon Dreyer and I had a catch-up with, uh, we got a chance to catch up with our good friend Mike Curdo. So here's that conversation. Mike, it's just been so great to hear that voice again. It was so tough not to have you guys last year. And just how has it been for you to to get back and to get into the swing? And uh, is it kind of business as usual for you now? It is now, uh, but at the beginning of the year, it was very much a different story. Um, uh, You know, when we started in May, well, first we were supposed to start in April and they pushed back the minor league season by a month to just try to give more time for people to get vaccinated and give more time for, uh, at the time, what we were hoping was for for COVID to move into the the past a little more. And, uh, you know, it it was interesting starting this season. There were a lot of... uh, pretty strict COVID protocols throughout the league and with the travel. Um, they were very uh, tight with the, the so-called bubble or whatever around the team. And, uh, uh, you know, you had to, when traveling, you know, we travel commercial commercial flights in, the, in AAA. So we're flying, you know, c- commercial airlines with strangers. But then once you get to the ballpark, there, there's security that, you know, prevents anyone from getting into the clubhouse area unless they're, you know, approved and have been going through the testing process, but things have become a more, more normal here in the last, uh, I don't know, two months or so um, after the initial start to this season at the beginning of the year, I didn't want to spend more than a minute uh, in the locker room or anything. So the last thing in the world I wanted to do was get caught up in some sort of contact tracing situation and have to miss games. And uh, now, um, you know, the, the, a lot of people are vaccinated. A large percentage of our team is, and uh, you, you just, you know, you're more uh, more comfortable in the surroundings, and you, you feel all right going down and talking to the manager for ten minutes, and feel like you're probably not going to uh, be involved in any sort of uh, COVID issue by doing that. So it's it's been more uh, more uh, comfortable and like old times here for the last couple of months. Now, I really wasn't sure what to expect on the field, especially at the AAA level, because you have this kind of mix of some guys who were in the majors last year, some guys who were at the alternate site last year, some guys who didn't play competitive baseball at all last season and all thrown together at one level. Yeah. How have you seen that kind of mix play out during the course of the season? The, the quality of play on the field has definitely improved over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. Early on, there were some teams in our league that didn't seem really prepared to start a triple a season. Um, and you could argue the Mariners were one of them in Tacoma. We didn't have any starting pitching at the beginning of the season, like literally no starters. We had a whole lot of relievers and we're doing bullpen days uh, four and five times in a, in a six game series. And the, over time they started signing some starters from independent leagues and triple a veterans so that we would actually have a starting rotation. And they moved up, uh, Darren McCacken, for example, from double A so that we would have a legit starting pitcher who could go six innings regularly. And now actually we have a full starting rotation and have for, uh, for about a month now. 
but the, the, the Mariners weren't the only team in this situation. Uh, there, we didn't play them early on, but uh, people who saw Albuquerque, who was the Rockies affiliate, people were telling me, including scouts who have been around a long time, were saying, this is the worst AAA team I've ever seen. It's, uh, they don't have enough AAA players. The guys they have are playing poorly. And, you know, they would, and they would just say that this team was unbelievably bad. And they, they, they corrected their situation as well. And actually, now they're almost up to 500 again. But uh, it's the, the mixture of players and, you know, you've got – they had to fill in the veteran AAA players, the free agent types – because they didn't really do it prior to the season because no one knew if minor league baseball was going to happen. It didn't happen last year. And there was no reason to, I guess, to make all these commitments, uh, contract commitments to AAA players. If you didn't know you were going to need them or not. And uh, that's why I think teams were a little short at the beginning of the season. And now you're finding your way well past the midpoint and just two games out of first place. What has gone right once everything got settled with this Rainier's team? Uh, the, the Rainiers, have, this is a winning club. This is a good AAA team. And the, as we record this, the Rainiers are 12 games over 500 and uh, just two games out of first place. And uh, the, there, there are a number of reasons why this team has uh, gotten really good. And it improved over the course of the year. The, the first one was getting the starting rotation settled. And uh, probably the biggest thing that uh, happened to make the Rainiers good this year was Jose Marmolejos clearing waivers and getting outrighted to Tacoma because he could have been claimed by any team when the Mariners uh, let him go, but they would have had to keep him on their 40-man roster, and nobody did it, and Marmolejos cleared waivers, and he's been with the Rainiers, and he's arguably been the best hitter uh, in the league this year and has continued, has been so consistent and hitting for power, uh, leads the league in batting average, hitting over 360 and uh, just kind of the, the rock in the middle of the Tacoma lineup. And uh, he's just a huge factor here. And uh, I feel like I need to mention Donovan Walton too, because when Donovan Walton is up in the major leagues with the Mariners or when he's on the taxi squad, which has happened once or twice, the Rainiers really miss him. And when he's with Tacoma and playing every day and hitting leadoff, he, he's a huge cog in the Rainiers offense and defense. And the team's one loss record when he's not here is 500. And when he is here, there are a dozen games over 500, which I think kind of says it all right there. I'm glad you mentioned Marmaleos. Just slash is just silly when you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what a year he's having. I'm curious, too, what uh, now that Taylor Trammell has kind of settled into the season, what you've seen from him on kind of a day-to-day basis? His uh, season has been a kind of a tale of two stories, uh, just sort of he's had two stints with Tacoma he began the year he had the big spring training and he made the Mariners opening day roster and eventually they they sent him to AAA to play regularly and he just hit the cover off the ball and he was back in the big leagues like three weeks later because they couldn't get him out here and uh, now he's been sent down a second time and this time it hasn't come as easily for him I, I think teams are throwing him a lot more breaking pitches now and uh, it's been a little more difficult for him this time around. But that the athleticism still impacts games. He makes great plays in the outfield. He covers a lot of territory uh, on base. Uh, you know, if he's on first, he's going to third on a single uh, more times than not. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the speed really affects the game. He hasn't, though, uh, gotten untracked on the plate like he was in his first stint with Tacoma. Like, it's good to hear that he's seeing that breaking stuff. And I think that there was, um, I think that we 
had an assumption throughout the year that there's just been this huge divide in the pitching between the majors and the minors, but some of that might have been. A lot of the minors players did not play last year. Uh, is that catching up, and do you think that perhaps um, they are seeing better pitching right now at the AAA level? Yeah, I, I definitely think the pitching is better now than it was earlier in the year, which isn't always the case at AAA. Usually we get thinned out here over the course of the season. But as I was saying before, the teams were short on they were short on pitching, particularly starting pitching at the beginning of the year. And Tacoma wasn't the only one. And they've added veteran arms from independent leagues, guys who couldn't get signed in the offseason but have major league experience. And these players have been added on to, to rosters throughout the league. So you're starting to see more of those pitchers who can command off-speed pitches and pitch to the corners. The Rainiers have a great example, Logan Verrett, who is a AAA veteran who has major league time with uh, the Mets and a little bit with Baltimore. He had to start the year in an independent league and uh, made the, the Mariners signed him in late May and he joined the Rainiers rotation. And since then, he's been a very good AAA pitcher. But guys like him weren't in the league at the beginning of the season. The schedule has been different this year and interesting. You have a set day off every week and you play the same team for six days in a row. What has that been like, the shift in the schedule? The six-game series is – some people love it and some people hate it, and I think it depends on what your job is. The, uh, for example, scouts love it because they can see everyone on a roster in one series and they don't have to worry about following a team from one city to the next. As a broadcaster, I think that it gets a little tiresome on days five and six. You've seen the same team so many games in a row – that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready for change. I'm ready to talk about something else. <laughs> and then, uh, or uh, for the players, they get a little tired of seeing each other, uh, you know, seeing the same guys, same opponents on the fifth or end sixth day of the series too. But uh, it does mean less travel for everyone as a whole, which was the goal for this year. And uh, I think they're going to continue it next year maybe not as extreme i don't think every series is going to be six games next year but i think there are going to be a good handful of them justin novak development list is he still with the team yeah he's our bullpen catcher and kind of a coach in training tell us a little bit about that i know the mariners have, have installed these uh player coaches throughout the the minors it's something they're allowed to do justin of course was an interpreter with the mariners a year ago the next thing you know he's on the roster yeah, he uh, he's 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 the bullpen catcher. He is technically on a player contract and uh, on you know on the inactive list or whatever. But he is treated like a coach. He he dresses with the coaches and uh, he's in the coaches' locker room. Um, he's uh, privy to uh, you know most of their meetings and all that. And uh, then during the game, he catches in the bullpen. But he helps in batting practice every day. Um, he'll throw BP. He'll, uh, you know, he's, he's heavily involved in all of the coaching aspects with the team. And, uh, yeah, he was, uh, the, tra the translator for Kikuchi, um, not Iwakuma. He wanted to make sure we knew, but Akuchi, Kikuchi. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he's, he's like a super, uh, high energy, positive thinking kind of guy. And learning to coach, and I guess technically could be activated if needed. I've been told that that's not going to happen. 
Um, <laughs> that's, okay. uh, yeah, he was a catcher in college. He was on the uh, Virginia team that won the College World Series championship. Everyone calls him champ. Nice. <laughs> and Mike, I'm curious on a personal level, being without what you do and what you have done so long last year, all of last year, an entire season gone, what has this year been like on a personal level for you? Uh, it's been uh, a relief, really. Uh, it's uh, and it's it's made me appreciate it more too. Uh, sitting out for a year—that stunk. Not having any games and not being able to work, and uh, you know, you miss the camaraderie. Uh, you miss the—I the, actually miss the travel more than I expected I would. <laughs> Most of it, anyway. Um, and. Uh, and you miss the game and being around the game every day. And for me, it uh, uh, reaffirmed that I'm, I enjoy this and I'm having fun. And uh, not not only is it it has it given me made me feel uh, given me a positive outlook about this season, but I'm already looking forward to next season. Like this is you know it, it's fun and it's great to do it again. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 